This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome into In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. It is a Wednesday, which means we have a loaded show for you today. Uh, we'll visit with the head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas coming up here in just a little bit, Coach Mike Kilgore, as he joins us each week on our Gorilla Weekly Update segment. We'll also uh, visit with the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, talk about the K-State Wildcat football program and uh, frustrating loss for, for K-Staters on Saturday against Tulane. But don't worry, K-State has plenty of opportunity ahead of them coming here uh, later this week. They'll head down to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. We'll preview that whole dang thing with Wyatt Thompson. Uh, but um, also, Andy Reid met with the media earlier today to talk some Kansas City Chiefs. They are 2-0 and on the season, preparing for Sunday's kickoff against the Indianapolis Colts. So that's where we're going to start things off today. A little bit of, of breaking news, but we're going to get to that after a little snippet here from Andy Reid. But again, here's the head football coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid. All right. Um, as far as injuries go, the guys that won't practice today are uh, Bucker and Dana. So Bucker has the ankle, Dana has the calf. Um, we, we've had a couple of personnel things uh, go on here. You, you're aware of Willie's situation. Darius Harris can fill in there. I mean, we've got people to fill in, but Darius uh, has a chance to step in there. Um, and then we... Uh, have Bennett White Whitling that uh, joined our team from the Rams uh, previously from Holy Cross. So uh, defensive end. All right. So other than that, uh, we look forward to the challenge of playing the Colts. Um, we know they're a good football team, and in this thing, you, it's record aside. I mean, um, they're talented. They're well coached. So well organized organization so um, we've got to make sure we have a good week of, of practice and that's starting today so that time's yours Coach Harris, you know being here what do you see out of him that makes you think he's ready for this spot time yeah, well, well he's coming off good preseason um, he kind of knows everything he's a sharp kid so I think he'll, you know, he's tough he's got a good concept of the defense so I think he'll do a nice job, uh, physically good size. Coach, with, uh, with Indianapolis being that close to the playoff last year, they felt that a quarterback switch was needed to bring in Matt Ryan. What have you seen in the first two games that, uh, I mean, gives you signs that, not that they're not a good team to work with because they are, but they've had problems trying to close out. Obviously, you know, they tied with Houston, who wasn't exactly burning the bar now last year and then last week. I've not been able to support Jacksonville. Yeah, so I mean, this time of the year, you you got to prepare yourself for, you know, anything and everything. Obviously, Ryan is he's proven to be a good player, and so I, I we don't get caught up in all that. Then we know what he's capable of doing, so we don't we don't mess around with that. Yeah, we just get ourselves ready to go against their scheme right now. Cool. Sorry, but um, and when were you all made aware of? Of Willie's suspension? 
Yeah, so they they went through Brett. Um, probably a better question for Brett. I don't know what we can say and can't say on it, but I'd probably leave it at that, and then I, we can get that to you. I'll check with our our people here. So we had an idea. That we had a heads up on it. Uh, the exact date, I can't, you know. Sorry, Coach. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of Wood, yeah, I know there's the, the penalty part of things, but there's also, you know, he, we talked to him at training camp, and he was talking about his mental health, and we know that's been a subject with him, and it seemed like he was in a really good place and things were going well. And, you know, we can imagine football is very important for the kid to take him away from that. Have you, have you been in no competition committee meetings about how, what's the right way for Willie to, you know, not be involved, be involved, and, and make sure that he's getting everything yeah. In the best situation personally. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's tough to, to answer. I have been in on those meetings. Um, the league's very sensitive to issues off the field. They're also sensitive to the mental health uh, part of it. So, and Willie and I had a nice visit. Um, you know, we've got Dr. T here. So, Dr. T has talked to him, and his position coach has talked to him, Brett talked to him. So he seems to be in a, a good place that way right now. Um, and he does. He loves to play the game. You know, it'll be a, be a long four weeks there So for him. But we'll, um, he's allowed to come back here after two weeks, so we'll have him right here. And um, But I think he's, you know, He's, a, he's in a good, good, as good a place he can be for, with that. And we'll, we'll be in touch with him and stay on top of all that part. This could be a, this could be a very brief question, but well, is he not allowed, since he's as good, is he not allowed to appeal it uh, via the CBA or whatever the Yeah, you can ask Brett about that, but those are, those are Chris Shea questions. Um, I'm not going to. Coach, as a, as a follow-up kind of to what uh, Nate was asking about, in the off season, do you, do you have do you get an indicator, or do you guys just say, "Hey, this we've read all the policies on it, and in the off season, we know we're probably going to be losing Willie for a few games." That's something. Yeah, I mean, we we had an idea something was going to happen, so we've we've tried to prepare for it the best we can. So, just in case it did. Andy uh, Darius Harris has been around for a while. You guys had him; he was injured when he was a rookie. You still kept him around. Obviously, you saw something in him. What, what was it you saw in him that led you to believe? He could develop into a pretty good player. Yeah. So I tell you, you know, he's he's smart. He's instinctive. Mm -hmm. He's tough. He's got a good grasp of the defense, and Spags does quite a few things, you know, with within the scheme. So you you've got to be able to process all that, and he does a good job of that. Again, that was Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Chiefs are two and zero on the season after wins over the Arizona Cardinals and the. Um, <laughs> bit of a brain fart there, but the Los Angeles Chargers, excuse me, is right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, but they're getting ready for their game on Sunday at noon against the Indianapolis Colts. So I wanted to share that Andy Reid audio with you today. But the real big story uh, just came earlier this afternoon, but the Kansas City Royals are making a move. Um, he, John Sherman is he, excuse me, John Sherman, the Royals owner um, had a press conference around 2 o'clock earlier today, and there was a lot of speculation as to what the press conference was regarding. Um, there were a lot of different things swirling, but the ultimate 
result was that John Sherman announced that the Royals are moving away from general manager or president of baseball operations, longtime general manager Dayton Moore, uh, effective immediately. He is no longer with the Royals organization and... Uh, so J.J. Piccolo will take over uh, with as the president of baseball operations and everything, uh, basically the general manager of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Dayton Moore has been with the Royals since, I think, 2006. Uh, he was obviously the architect of the 2014 and 15 Royals, uh, taking them to back-to-back World Series, ultimately winning the 2015 title. Uh, but... Aside from really those two seasons, and I think three winning seasons in total in his time as general manager for the Royals, uh, it's no secret that they have been subpar, and that might be putting it a little bit lightly, especially this year with all the young talent that they have and with all of the um, pitchers that they invested in over the last couple of years through the major league draft and and all of the the development that's gone into this organization the royals just haven't hit the, the benchmark that I think Dayton Moore himself would tell you that they had set for themselves each of the last couple of seasons. The progress just has not been there. Um, and there have been a lot, and I mean a lot, of negative critics, both Royals fans, baseball media, um, anybody in, in sports and a lot of people in the sports world with microphones, much as myself. Uh, but this is a change I think that a lot of people felt was very necessary. And with it being now uh, September 21st, and there's really two weeks left of the Royals season, uh, this is probably a necessary change right now. You can see they've they've made the pivot roster-wise and, ma- and management-wise to all these younger players. They made the trades uh, towards the deadline, made all those call-ups um, as we've started to see more and more and more rookies being played because the Royals were kind of doing a self-evaluation of of where are we talent-wise? Who are we building around? Who do we intend on keeping in this organization? Who do we think is going to take us forward, moving forward? And now that they probably think they have a much better idea of what they have in-house with the players, they got to find somebody who's going to be able to take this organization in a positive direction because they have been incompetent and underperforming for far too long, especially for a, for a city like Kansas City that has really stuck by the Royals uh, and, and, and their terrible, terrible baseball for far too long. Uh, they've got to find somebody that can you know make them competitive regularly. They don't have to be the best franchise in baseball. That's really kind of an over ask if you if you were um, you know asking my opinion on it because of the nature of baseball these days the Royals are a small market team so yes they're probably going to struggle fairly often but that doesn't mean you can't develop your own players and create a competent baseball club um, every couple of years or every few cycles like that is a perfectly attainable goal and especially in the Royals division I mean you're going up against the Detroit Tigers and the Cleveland Guardians and the the Minnesota Twins and the uh, Chicago White Sox like these are not the powerhouses of Major League Baseball recently it is not a very good division there's no reason the Royals should not be competitive at least every couple of years, or better than what they are right now, which is pacing for very close to 100 losses this season. So 
Um, tough move that certainly uh, had to be made, I'm sure. I'm sure it was not easy for John Sherman. We'll try and grab uh, some more of the audio from that press conference for tomorrow's show to get into this a little bit deeper. Uh, but um, just breaking news. Again, if you missed the the very beginning of this a little snippet for us, uh, John Sherman at a press conference today for the Kansas City Royals announced that they were moving on from president of baseball operations, Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore had been with the Royals since 2006. And again, he was the architect of the 2014 and 2015 World Series teams and the World Series championship of 2015. Let's step aside. When we come back, we'll talk with Mike Kilgore, the head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas. That is coming up next on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial. I am Jackson Schneider and it is Wednesday, which means it's time for our Gorilla Weekly segment on KSAL. Brought to you by the good people at Bush's Market and the Solomon State Bank of Solomon, member FDIC. And when we check in with the Solomon Gorillas, this time of year we get to sit down with the head football coach of the Gorillas, Mike Kilgore. Coach, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Love to hear it. Doing great. Love the good vibes. I know your team had a, had a tough one on Friday against a really good Canton Galva team, but still two and one on the season and, and playing some good ball to start the year. Just take us through your thoughts on Friday night. You know, Friday night was uh, you know it was one of those games where you knew that it was going to be a, a test of, to the battles, and you know, and we we opened the, we opened the um, the game up. You know, we didn't have our starting quarterback. Um, and, you know, we, we made some changes offensively on what we needed to do. But, you know, I was really impressed for our opening drive. We drove it down inside their 20-yard their line, you know, and then we had we kind of fumbled the snap or snapped it over our head. You know, for three three consecutive drives, you know, we, we got down inside their 30. And I, I, mean, I was pretty impressed with, with being able to change something like that on a Friday and for our kids to be able to, you know, um, to battle like that. Um, out, you know, Ken Galvez, hats off to them. They're, I mean, they're just a good football team. They've been that way for a long time. You know, with Shelby there, he's have a heck of a coach. And your team, I mean, they continue to make strides and grow, but they've been challenged last year, and they're they're going to continue to be challenged this year by by some really tough scheduling. I mean, Canton Galva, as you mentioned, is a really solid team, and then this week you don't get any weeks off. You get to play a Little River team that I believe lost in the state championship game a season ago. So back-to-back yep. high-level football teams. How do you and your team attack the challenges presented to you by this difficult schedule? You know, it's, it's you know, sometimes I, I maybe overthink a little bit, you know, trying to worry about the kids' mentality. But, you know, this week, you know, I told them on Friday after after our loss, and then I told them again on Monday, it's like, you know, the days are going to come that, you know, if we just keep doing the small stuff, focusing on the small details, our time will come. You know, and then, you know, last night um, we had full, full pad practice late so we could beat the heat, you know, and it was probably one of our best practices to date. Um, from my years of being over there, you know, just the kids' attitude, their their mindsets, wanting to get better. Um, so it's you know they're 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 really they're really honed in, um, trying to get better, and I think that's what's helping us. 
Now, with your team, obviously you want to see improvement probably every day and every week. But from now through three games, where's the biggest area of improvement come so far? And where's the biggest area need to come still? You know, I think our, our biggest improvement is our, uh, um, is our offensive line. Um, you know, we, we did some things, you know, changed some things this year. And, you know, they have really, really grasped that concept of what we're trying to do in our scheme. Um, and, you know, and they're, they're in the film room with, you know, earlier than anybody else, you know, because they're ready to watch, ready to watch that film, ready to get learned, learned up on that. And, you know, and then our, our uh, thing that we need to improve on, you know, we just, we need to keep, we need to keep challenging ourselves um, and believing on what, what we are capable of doing. Um, you know, they, these kids don't know their potential um, and they can, they just need to believe what, what they have been taught um, and just put it on the field. Now, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the kink, so to speak, thrown in your plans for last week, uh, being down a, a quarterback. Do you anticipate that change uh, continuing into this Friday's game against Little River? Um, no, I, I don't. Um, but, you know, we're preparing like it, it, it may could happen. Um, but we, we should be back to full strength uh, coming Friday. Well, that's certainly got to be a, a a bit of a, a confidence boost a little bit. I know you're confident in the, all the kids that you've got over there, but to have that kind of a, a last-minute change uh, thrown in against some of these really good teams can't make your life much easier. But when you do have those challenges thrown at you, how do you and your team approach that, and how did you see them respond to that challenge? You know, we you know we just we we keep we just keep going. Like I mean. It's not probably the right word to say, but you know, we just the kids. The kids know that, you know, we have we have a task to do, you know, and where where do we where do we got to go? We we got to go forward, you know. We got to put it behind us, and we can think about it on Saturday on what what we did wrong. But you know, we just got to keep we got to keep moving forward, um, and you know, and they're kids. Kids are resilient. They 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 can bounce back from anything, you know. And like I tell them, you know, the game of football is like a roller coaster. You got some ups, you got some downs, you know, and you know. You know, and we got down last week, and you know, we just got to be able to fight through that mentally, and you know, and we we responded really well from what what happened on Friday. Again, we're joined by the head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas, Coach Mike Kilgore. Coach, uh, district play starts this week. Again, a tough test in Little River, but uh, a lot of football left. Five games that are going to dictate a lot in terms of uh, postseason seedings and playoff brackets and all that stuff. Is there an added sense of intensity or, or, or of urgency as you head into district play now? Uh, there is, you know, and it, and it and it comes off early for us, you know, because we're you know we're we're playing a district game. It's it's all about what the future of our season looks like. You know if we don't if we don't start putting our A game out there on the field every snap or every you know every play, then you know it's going to matter at the end. You know because we you know it not only goes by wins and losses, it goes by points. You know just in case you got a tie. So everything matters. You know everything matters from here on out. And you know to see if where we want to land up in the playoffs. You know obviously we want to be in the upper seed of our playoffs. But, you know, like last year, we, you know, we ended up in the fourth seed, but, you know, still playing another game that means something. Uh, so the kids know, the kids understand that, that concept. And, you know, I think that they're, they're, they're going to be ready for the, the game, the games to come. Now, Coach, before we let you go, as always, I'll, I want to ask it. It's got to know, what's it going to take to get the win coming up on Friday night when you guys take on Little River? 
Well, we're gonna we're gonna be able to you got to be able to control the ball, take care of the ball, um, have possession on our side, um, you know, and 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 make the make make some plays that you know that you usually don't make, and um, we'll be victorious on, at the end. All right, Coach Mike Kilgore joins us each week on our Solomon Gorilla Weekly Update, brought to you by the good people at Bush's Market and the Solomon State Bank of Solomon. Member FDIC. Coach, thanks so much for the time as always. Good luck this week. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Jackson. All right, we'll step aside for just a moment. When we come back, we'll be joined by the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. That's right here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your F and FM dial. Uh, it's time now to speak with one of our very favorite guests. It's Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, brought to you by Robson Oil Company in Abilene, serving Central Kansas since 1924, providing the area with high quality oil and fuel for both farm and commercial customers. That's Robson Oil in Abilene, and now Wyatt. We got a loss to talk about. Do you want to get the ugly out of the way? <laughs> yeah, I think we probably should. Um, I think the football team is trying to get it out of the way, so let, let's do that. <laughs> well, all things considered, I mean, seventeen to ten, uh, K State had its chances in this ball game, but anytime you lose to a squad um, out of a like a group of five conference, there's going to be some some dark clouds looming. But I think. One thing is that Tulane is a little bit better than previously adver- advertised, but you said it yourself before we started this interview, K-State just didn't play that well. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. I think it was one of those things where, you know, obviously the offense didn't produce like normal. I thought Tulane did a really good job of, of tackling and corralling and, if you want to call it, holding Deuce Vaughn to 81 <laughs> rushing yards. I guess I guess that's a good thing. I think the the frustrating thing for the fans was the vertical passing game. Um, and, and as good as the defense has been with the game on the line, they, they allowed uh, Tulane to, to drive down. They didn't have but a couple of drives, but they were, they were impressive drives. And the quarterback run game, I think, hurt K-State a little bit. And certainly that will be, you know, uh, a deal this week against Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel. So, and, and then I also have to be honest and say, I, I don't think K-State, really took advantage of what they felt was an advantage in the special teams area. So I think there were a lot of things that you could uh, scrutinize for sure. Well, this is a long season, and I know you know any loss is going to be frustrating, especially one that you feel you're the better team even after the final whistle blows. But sure. my, my opinion, Wyatt, is that these can sometimes turn into positives. I mean, you, you can learn a lot from tough adverse situations like this and we heard from coach Kleiman and some players yesterday uh, at the weekly media availability and I feel like that's the response that's been taken like they kind of needed this to learn as much as you hate losing and and saying that it is a learning experience but I mean lots can come from this right well I, I think you can look at it that way certainly I think all of us would say that I would prefer not to to go through that uh, just to learn yeah, a lesson that's true but but I, I totally get the point and I think you're accurate in, in some cases I think it does make a group a little bit tighter and a little bit better and all of those kind of things 
we'll see how K-State responds. I, I think for me, and I've said this in other interviews this week, I think first and foremost, we have a good football team here. We have a good coaching staff here. Um, so what, what are we talking about here? Did, was it just an off day? Were they not ready enough to play? I mean, there are a lot of variables here that, that are on the table. And so I think hopefully you do learn that, you know, no matter how well you think you're playing and how good things are rolling, you can be vulnerable relatively quickly. And and I think that was maybe the, the deal Saturday because I just didn't feel like out of the gate. I thought like, I guess I'll, I'll just say it this way. I thought Tulane had more uh, juice at the start of the game. They just seemed like the team that was more ready to play in case they kind of got in a little bit of a hold there and, and really kind of just fluttered through it most of the day, if that's the right way to say it. Well, there were some things that, that I would say went right from this loss, even if, you know, the end result wasn't there. I mean, the defense, you, you mentioned it, Wyatt, gave up a couple of crucial drives, but they only allowed 17 points. And you would think in most yeah. contests, especially playing in the Big 12 Conference, if you hold a team to 17, you're going to have a chance to win. And K-State did have some chances in this game. Uh, but what were some of the positives maybe that you noticed in this game? Is there anything that we can draw from it moving forward? Well, I, I think probably from the defensive perspective, you, you could probably look at, if we're talking about just Saturday, it might be different than the three games in its entirety. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and here's what I mean. They gave up 131 rushing yards against South Dakota. That's pretty good. Mizzou got 94. 160 against Tulane is probably a little bit too much. I think that is, is the probably the biggest thing, plus the, the, the drive that I talked about a moment ago from the defensive side. But still, as you indicated, and I agree with it wholeheartedly, K-State played decent enough defense to win the ballgame. On the offensive side, I think, yes, we can talk about Adrian Martinez uh, and cutting it loose or whatever you want to say. Uh, I, I'm in on that, too. He, he needs to do that. But, but also, K-State has to be better on first down. They have to be better on third down. They have to be better in what I will describe as assignment sound blocking. I, I didn't feel like they did a really, really good job like they had been uh, with picking up stunts and blitzes and those kind of things and, and getting creases in the run game. And again, Tulane was certainly part of that, but I think K-State's offensive line didn't play in this particular game like they had before. That's pretty obvious. Well, you referenced it. I mean, Adrian Martinez um, struggled a little bit there, and he, he, Coach Kleiman said it yesterday, kind of plain and simple. They got to get him to cut it loose and, and you know let it rip. I think is what he had said. But how do they get him to to start trusting his arm and his ability to get him to throw those deeper passes and try to open up this passing game just a little bit more? Well, I'm not trying to be funny, but that is the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> why is he? being a little bit what I would say is tentative. I think it's all about, you know, drilling into his head, you know, for several months of, of, of being mistake-free and, and those kind of things. And that's all fine and good. But I think, I think maybe it's gone a little bit too far. And, and at times, you just got to go play. It, it is a game of mistakes, after all. You're going to make some. Everybody's human, right? But I keep telling myself this, and, and – 
the reality of it is, is the kid's a really good athlete. He's done this before, albeit with some mistakes. But I don't think you get to – I mean, he's thrown for almost 8,800 yards, and he's rushed for almost 2,500 yards. You've got a good football player there on your hands if he just, if he just will, quote, cuts it loose. And, and I, think, I think they've been trying to get him to do exactly that this week. I, I know Coach Kleiman mentioned in the presser you know, on Tuesday that, hey, <laughs> Colin and I visited with him. I think he understands where we're at, um, and, and let's, let's go from there and go see what happens. Now, K-State will take to the field again on Saturday, but the, the, I guess the magnitude is the word I'm looking for of this game is, is much more significant than the previous three because, one, it's, it's conference play now, and these games are, are going to dictate a lot moving forward. But, two, you're going on the road for the first time, and you're playing not just any team but a top-ten-ranked Oklahoma team. And uh, so there's a lot of different layers to the challenge that's ahead here for Kansas State. But I wanted to talk to you, Wyatt, about how K-State has actually been fairly successful down in Norman in in recent history and maybe what you might think has led to that a little bit. Well, I think there are several factors. Uh, if, you, if you really start looking at some of the games, K-State has been pretty resilient. Um, all, all games are similar, but all are different in their own ways. That The last time we were there, you might remember Oklahoma had a pretty good size lead. And then, you know, to, with a freshman quarterback, they got a little bit conservative. And as the game got tighter, I think they got tighter. <laughs> I don't know that that could be a possibility this time just because of the fact that you've got a quarterback in Dylan Gabriel who's played, well, this will be his 30th career game. That's a little bit different than what we saw a couple of years ago. I'll be that a talented, talented freshman. Uh, this isn't that situation. K-State's been good in special teams against Oklahoma for the most part, and they've done a pretty good job uh, defensively too. They've done good things and given themselves a chance, and that's, that's how you win road games. Uh, it's just kind of what it is. It's not a real secret. Well, obviously, there's also the fam- familiarity standpoint, too, right? Like, these teams do a yeah. lot of things and play each other quite frequently. Now, there's an interesting twist in that this time. It, it's a new coach for Oklahoma and Brent Venables, albeit, though, still a familiar face for a lot of K-State fans because of Brent being from right here in Salina and, and then, you know, being at K-State as well for a long time before going off to Oklahoma and then Clemson and now coming back to Norman. Well, I think we're all proud of what Brent has accomplished, right? Um, being a Kansas kid, a Salina kid, a, a K-State guy, <laughs> a K-State coach. Um, there, there's certainly a lot of uh, memories there for him on, on those levels, certainly. And he's talked about it a little bit uh, in his press conference and, and other media availabilities this week. He's very, very, very good at what he does. And I, I think when you look at his track record, learning from Coach Snyder and Coach Stoops and Coach Sweeney. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take you very long to to just see why he is where he's at. He's he's a very intense guy. Uh, clearly, one of the best defensive coordinators in the game over the last what would you say, maybe 15 years or or such a matter, uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But but he's he's really really talented, and he's got these guys playing exceptionally physical and very fast and very confidently. Um, I thought Coach. Kleiman made an interesting point yesterday about the fact that, you know, they're, they're still kind of finding their way. 
meaning they've been very successful in everything they've done. But defensively, that you know, they've been a little bit different in each game. What will K-State get? To me, that's one thing that we'll want to watch because it's pretty obvious that they have players. I mean, Reggie Grimes up front is playing great. Um, those linebackers, Danny Stutzman and David Aguabu, are really good. And Deshaun White at that cheetah position where, the, where they basically move him all over the place. He's kind of a nickel safety type guy. And, and then in that back end with, I mean, <laughs> Billy Bowman, Justin Broyles, <laughs> all good. I haven't even mentioned Jared Canick, the kid from, from Hayes High. He's, he's been unbelievable. So they, they have great talent. Um, and, and they're just, they're just playing so well defensively right now. I mean, they're giving up just 10 points a game, 118 rush yards, um, not a lot of weakness. And, and that all starts with Venables. Well, with this Oklahoma team, they're coming off of a very impressive win over Nebraska on Saturday. They really they gave up the first score of the game and then promptly took over like three plays later with the long Dylan Gabriel touchdown run and never looked back. Uh, but with a team coming off of a win like that, whereas K-State is coming from a, a frustrating loss, is there maybe an extra layer of motivation that K-State might have to, to try and, and shock the world, so to speak, against a team that has yet to really struggle against anyone and might come in you know, thinking that they might be able to run away with a win against K-State? Well, it's an interesting theory. Uh, I, I think in, in trying to look at it that way I think you could certainly make that that case because I think many of us going into last week thought okay K-State played Mizzou they were exceptionally excited to do so play great then you have this game in the middle and Oklahoma on the other end (laughs) and that game in the middle was was problematic with Oklahoma it's a little bit different from the standpoint of they have you know they They've played well, but I don't know that they're going to be overconfident because of what we talked about before, K-State's recent past and success against them. I think they'll be highly motivated to to make a statement early, much like they did, even though they were down 7 nothing, as you indicated, to Nebraska, then they scored the next 49. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a very interesting subject, and I'm not sure how to answer that. I think we're just going to have to get to game time and see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's all going to come down to execution, frankly. I, I think that's a very good point because, you know, I, not to get you to say, well, Oklahoma's going to o- overlook K-State and K-State's going to sneak yeah. in there. Get it. It's not going to work like that, so I apologize for kind of asking right. that question no, no, to begin okay. with. That's, but yeah. uh, this is a series, though, that uh, like we mentioned earlier, K-State's had some success down in Norman recently, but... Over the entire series, Oklahoma has a pretty large advantage head-to-head. But we we mentioned the last time that K-State played in Norman, they got that win coming from behind. But but, uh, Oklahoma got the win uh, last year in a game that was pretty darn close down to the wire. Uh, What do you think we're expecting in terms of of the, the intensity of this game? I mean, it's the first conference game, which is, like we mentioned, is already important enough. But how what do you expect the atmosphere to be like? Like, what do you expect the energy to be like with the teams when the ball is kicked off? What have you seen in games like this in the past, and what can we look forward to? Well, I think what you're going to see is two motivated football teams and two pretty good football teams. The question now is, is who performs better? Who's better in certain situations? Um, 
most generally speaking, you know, the home team probably has a little bit of an advantage there because they're going to have 80-some thousand uh, there and they're going to be at at, uh, <laughs> at fever pitch. Uh, but but I, I go back to the Bill Snyder days and him saying, look, this it's about us. It's about how we handle things and what we do between the white lines. And I think if you look at it like that and, and, and work during the week to, to, to prove that, that, that we're good in any venue, and maybe that's where, you know, K-State will have some – maybe last week's loss will give them better focus. I think they'll be excited for the game, period, end of story. And I think they're still a, a darn good football team. But now you got to go out and execute. And execute is not what they did last week. Well, what what are the things that have to change? I mean, we, we talked about the defense. We talked about Adrian Martinez yep. needing to cut it loose. What are the big overarching themes that have to change with those execution things uh, to, to make sure that K-State is in this ball game down in Norman? Well, uh, there are thousands of things, right? I mean, Martinez has got to play. I think you start there and and cut it loose, whatever you want to call it. He he needs to let it rip, okay? K-State needs to have balance uh, with the offense. They've got to be able to have some balance in, in, in run and pass. If they don't and you're one-dimensional against that group, it's going to be a long day at the office, okay? On the defensive side, you better tackle because they run hard. You're going to have to – guard against the quarterback run game. Uh, Gabriel doesn't run a ton, but when he does, he's very successful. We saw that uh, in the Nebraska game last week. Then you got to be very much in tune to lower, or you probably can't eliminate, but minimize, I guess is the proper word, the shock plays, because they've got guys that can make shock plays. And the, the main guy is number 17, Marvin Mims, that, you hope that K-State with their corners can can work against him and minimize a little bit of his efforts. He he just killed Nebraska, just killed him. Um, so you can't you can't have that. And and then you know what? Special teams will be a factor if it's a close game. It always is. Now this is something that just kind of jogged my brain, and I'm I'm a little frustrated it didn't pop up in inside of my noggin earlier. But Adrian Martinez played in Norman last year with Nebraska yes, and played a very uh-huh. good football game. I mean, Nebraska was in it till the end. They lost, I think, by seven points, if I remember correctly. Do you think that that pro- provides a bit of an advantage for Adrian now, coming off of a frustrating game where he needs to bounce back, but he's playing in a, a challenging environment, but one that he's seen pretty recently. Well, I I think you would probably look at it like that. If you were Adrian Martinez, you've, you've played there before you had a successful game, albeit a close loss. And and, and I'm telling you, man, they gave him a, a a game last year. They didn't this time at home, but they did last year. Um, And, and where does that weigh with him? I I guess we're going to find out, but I I believe it would be an advantage. I, I truly do. I certainly think it might be, especially for for a guy who is as fierce a competitor as what we've seen Adrian to be, and and especially with the maturity that he's shown. I don't think, at least in my opinion, he'd be one to get rattled in an environment like that. But I look forward to it, Wyatt. I I know you do. You always uh, look forward to, to trips in the Big 12, I'm sure. Do you have a favorite Big 12 venue. You're going down to Norman on Saturday. What's the f- the favorite place that you would go in the Big 12 conference to call a football game? 
Well, I, I think Oklahoma would be pretty close to the top of the list just because it's one of the real great venues in college football. And we all like to be in those, right? I mean, that it's as simple as that. I mean, they, their fan base is very loyal. They're, <laughs> they, they will pack the place. They will, uh, they will be excited to, to get this thing going. They're, they're pumped up anyway about Venables and, and what they're doing. So yeah, it, it's going to be rocking and, and uh, it's an honor to, to be there and, and, and call games like this. That's that's part of what makes this job so cool, I think. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I, I'm pretty jealous. Can't lie about that. Not that I, I have anything <laughs> against my fun little offices yep. here in uh, Salina, Kansas, the the brick house and, and stadium, what have you, but a uh, little bit of jealousy when uh, I see that you get to go down to Norman, but that's all right. <laughs> Wyatt, uh, running out of time today, so thank you, as always, for the time. Thank you to Robson Oil and Abilene for allowing us to have you on, but uh, anything that we missed that we should have gotten to today? I don't think so. I, I really think this is going to be a very interesting game and I also think it's going to be a very interesting week in the Big 12. I guess I'll throw that out there. I'm hugely interested in the Baylor-Iowa State game as an example. We play Texas Tech at home next week, and this week they're at home against Texas. Um, you can't not be interested in the Duke-Kansas game, right? They're both 3-0. and I mean, this is a big week in, in conference play, and I'm looking forward to it. As am I, Wyatt. As am I. It's going to be fun. Finally get the conference play started with K-State and Oklahoma on Saturday night. 5 p.m. pregame and 7 o'clock kickoff here on 1150 KSAL. You can hear this wonderful man's voice when the ball gets kicked. Wyatt, like I said, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. You got it, buddy. Nice being, being on with you. Thank you. All right, Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the K-State Wildcats. He joins us each week here on In the Zone, thanks to Robson Oil in Abilene. That's going to wrap up our show for today. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 5.15 right here on 1150 KSAL.